Welcome back, folks, to the RF Factor, episode number 22. Uh, I'm again here with George Belsky, and we got two outstanding guests with us tonight, uh, Mitch Scalar and uh, Chief John Zabrowski. I'm saying that, right, Chief? Absolutely correct. There you go, sir. I don't want to get that one screwed up. Um, both of these gentlemen I've known for, for quite some time. In fact, I was fortunate enough, I guess it's been about two weeks ago, I was on their podcast. They started a podcast a couple of months ago, uh, Chiefs Talk. That's correct, right? Chiefs Talk? Yes, it is. Great podcast. You definitely have to tune into that. Before this show is over, we're going to give you, we're going to actually have them tell you how to tune into Chiefs Talk as well. They got some great guests on there. Not just me, folks. Great guests on there. They got a lot of good stuff that's going on. So, But more importantly, Mitch Galar, Executive Director of the New Jersey State Association of Chiefs of Police. And uh, Chief John Zabrowski is currently the president of uh, New Jersey State Cop. So we're excited to have you both on. George, do you want to say hi real quick before we turn it over to both uh, Mitch and John? Hey, Chief. Mitch, good to see you. Thank you, George. Uh, Thank you for that. Uh, Appreciate that. (laughs) So, uh, (laughs) uh, Mitch, uh, I've known you for quite some time, uh, mainly being in the shadows. But then as I started to move up in in the state police, I, I got to know you a little bit more. I've been quite impressed with uh, your association for for years. Uh, That's why I was excited to have you on here. The things that you guys, not that you're doing just now, but that you've done over the years is spectacular. Um, It's not a week that goes by that I I don't see something that your association is doing that I'm inspired by, particularly because you're aiming at leadership, you're aiming at development of uh, executives uh, in law enforcement. And and that's always needed, regardless of the times that we're in. So kudos to you. Uh, Chief Zabrowski, it's been great to meet you as well. I followed your career at Sayerville PD. And it's it's nice to see that you're also spending some time with the Chiefs Association as well. Uh, Leadership is not something any of us should uh, take for granted. So the both of you guys spending a lot of time to cultivate uh, leadership principles in police executives is, uh, you know, something to be proud of. And, and George, I just thought of something. You and I have had conversations about uh, New Jersey SACOP and and what they do. And I and I know, I mean, I can speak about being around the nation, but not as much as you. So maybe I can throw that over to you. Your thoughts on on their association? Yeah, when when I came to back to New Jersey, because I'm a I'm a Jersey guy. Uh, when I came back to New Jersey in 2012 as a assistant special agent in charge and later as the special agent in charge, I got to go to uh, some of those uh, SACOP meetings, and I was blown away by uh, the professionalism, um, the the camaraderie, the sharing of information, the, the leader development that went on at every session. But then there was, you know, then there were these uh, amazing, training opportunities uh, for for the members. And I was just in awe of it. I had been in law enforcement, you know, in uh, in Florida, in Georgia, uh, New Jersey, back to Georgia, back to Florida. And uh, I've never seen a, a chief's association that was that um, prevalent in, in uh, and doing leadership stuff, at least at least not that I saw. So it was very very impressive, and I and I again I got to be a uh, you know honorary member, and I still subscribe to everything. And uh, I look at some of these advertisements that come out with envy that uh, I, I can't take time off to go. Well, hey, great George, stuff, thanks, George. Thanks so much for saying that. Um, and I know Mitch will never pat himself on the back, but I have to do that for him. Uh, most of that uh, that platform that we have is really as a result of his hard work over the many years, establishing uh, contacts, collaborations with uh, other professionals like yourself in order to be able to put the, really, I think, maybe nationally, may, maybe internationally renowned uh, programs together. Uh, I can't tell you how many times if I'm at IACP or if I'm traveling 
abroad where I'm traveling through the states and I say that I'm a member of the state, the New Jersey State Chiefs Association, uh, the first thing they say is, hey, um, how can our association be like your association? And uh, again, Mitch will never take credit for that, but he is um, just infinitely um, connected on, on how to get that done. And um, we just have really quite a portfolio of training opportunities throughout, uh, uh, throughout our organization. And one of the things I think is key to what we do, which is different from everybody else, is you can have training opportunities that teach management, how to manage people, but there's always an element in every part of the training that is hosted by the New Jersey State Chiefs Association that talks and teaches how to be a leader. And, and as a chief of police, that, that is one of the, that is our role within our communities. Wow. Um, so I guess we need to turn it over to Mitch and ask about that secret sauce. Uh, and how did this all start, Mitch, you know, for you in terms of this, this, this theme that we're, we're sort of speaking to, which is your leadership, uh, an opportunity. When uh, when I was fortunate enough to be appointed as executive director back in 1999, I probably spent the first year or so um, just getting, not just getting my feet on the ground and getting to know the organization, the members, the other stakeholders, but also kind of surveying the state of leadership development in, in criminal justice and law enforcement locally, regionally, nationally, and internationally. I, I, I purposely looked outside our borders to find who was doing it best and who was making the best and most um, successful impact on developing not just the chiefs, but leaders at all levels and creating that pipeline of, of really prepared, and forward-thinking leaders. And there's no one who did it right, but there were people who did things right. And um, just my own personal philosophy is go out and find those people and, and connect with them. And it took some time, but eventually they started coming around. And we got invitations to partner with uh, colleagues in Canada, uh, throughout the US, uh, primarily throughout the United Kingdom. People who were invested in the types of things I wanted us to be invested in. And um, after a while, we became that group. We're, we're now that organization that people come looking to and seeking our input, seeking our connection. Uh, I appreciate John's, you know, kudos to me. It's, it, it, I appreciate that. It's the organization's, um, it's our achievement as an organization. It's, it's no one individual, but I'm proud of what we do. I'm proud of what we've achieved, but you know, I, I, I never look backwards, right? It, it, it's always what's ahead. And it, we just brought a group to, to London to meet with the London Metropolitan Police and the City of London Police and the National Crime Agency. And we've already moved forward to our next step, what our, what our next development program will be. Um, I want us to be, we, we do things great in New Jersey. I, I, I'll, I'll pat us on the back. <laughs> at all levels, state yes. police, local policing, our federal partners, we we got it going on, as they say, right? When John mentioned, when he goes to ICP or other um, opportunities to meet with, with police leaders from around the country, they all want to know, how do you do that in New Jersey? How, how does this happen? And it's because we have a really, really talented core of police professionals in our state. And I want us to play our role and keeping that going and moving that forward. Well, thank you for that. George, well, I, George, I know I had you do a little dance there to put some earphones on, so you got a little uh, activity there, so yeah, sorry about sorry that. About that. No. <laughs> it's, uh, it's all good PT. Um, Mitch, I was just thinking about this uh, years ago. Uh, was it the New Jersey uh, SACOP? That uh, that approached uh, West Point in the '90s and and asked for uh, what's now become uh, the West Point leadership model because I know it developed in New Jersey and then again uh, in LA 
Uh, was the SACOP behind that? It was. It actually, it was simultaneous with the LAPD. Our organization reached out to the Behavioral Sciences and Leadership Department at the Academy. And it was really happenstance that it was done at the same time. So the LAPD and our association sent a cadre of folks up to the Academy to work with their faculty to develop our own kind of painted blue version of their premier uh, leadership development curriculum, which I know you're really firsthand personally uh, familiar with. And over that 25, 26 year period, we've continued to evolve and grow. We're still, we are now right now working on updating our curriculum to keep up to date with the Academy's latest thinking. Uh, we've engaged a member of the faculty there to work with our own faculty. So we are still doing the West Point model at our Command Leadership Academy. That's that's outstanding. And I uh, I had talked to uh, Dan Smith several times, and I know we had we had talked about uh, uh, that happening. His his work up there ongoing. So that's to me that's just that just that forward uh, that forward thinking. Uh, and 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 I say it with a little bit of. Uh, humility that hey man we need leadership stuff uh let's go to what ray calls uh one of the premier leadership institutions in the country and, <laughs> and we'll go to west point so i would never say that because i was on the dean's other list up there but um that uh that and that that type of thinking and i mean that was the early 90s that you're still living that model now which is which is amazing it is. I will give complete credit to Chief Harry Wild from Cranford. He was the uh, the brains behind that. And I know Harry probably did exactly what I just talked about what I did. He, although he didn't have to search very far, you know, West Point was certainly clearly at the top of that list. <laughs> and he knew there was a need for it. And he went out and asked and they said yes. Yeah, that's a, it, it speaks to it speaks to the culture of the organization that uh which is a really unique organization that had made up of executives from all over the state of new jersey um so that you all have been able to promote and keep that culture alive is really amazing you know it goes back to the very beginning we're in our 110th year and fortunately we have the records going back literally to the first meeting and from that time the organization has always been about development of the professionals in policing. I mean, in the records, they were they brought in experts on fingerprinting when it was new. They brought in people to talk about motion pictures, uh, airplanes, motorcycles, all the things that were at cutting wow. edge at one time. Very cool. It it, it is. Some sometime Ray, come and come and look at these. Uh, archives uh, absolutely. we have would love to see it absolutely oh, as a history geek that's a, I, i'm amazed that's yeah. awesome it is right I, i'm a history freak too and when i when i open those books and it, you know it, it going back literally it when woodrow wilson governor of new jersey was elected president the organization was asked to send a delegation to accompany him to his inauguration you know, all this oh. stuff is is all in the minutes it's 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 a pretty interesting read. It's a lot of fun, but it goes. It, it has a deeper point from the very start, literally from that February nineteen twelve organization of the the association. They have always been a forward thinking group, looking to make policing better. Hey, hey, John, I, I want to aim this at you because uh, I want uh, I want you to sort of assess uh, Mitch's leadership. Uh, now I look at Mitch's background here as the executive director, and, and when you look at it, and you look where where he hails from. Uh, got his uh, law degree from uh, Rutgers University. He's been all over uh, the sort of the nation and, and and worked at the federal level. He's uh, he's been down in Glencoe, Georgia, to get additional training for police legal advisors. I'm still looking for that that secret sauce, and he he definitely has that because everything we've just described in in the last uh, 15 minutes uh, th that takes leadership, that takes relentless follow up. Um, at the at the risk of embarrassing him, what does he have that he's been able to put this together, uh, continue the legacy of uh, of SACOP? 
probably the, I would say his best characteristic is the ability to be able to meld together all these eight personalities and get them to work together in collaboration. Listen, there's probably, you know, when, when you talk about bringing chiefs together for a monthly meeting or for any type of meeting, I mean, you're bringing the AA plus personalities together all the time with divergent opinions and ideas on how to do certain things. Mitch does it in a very, very understated fashion of getting us all together to collaborate on, on, on our goal, right? In, in the end, we have that one goal, right? Is to advance the profession of what we do. If you think about it, chiefs of police are a very, very, very small subset of law enforcement. And I think he understands at, by now how we work, you know, how we think. And, uh, you know, he does, just really does in a very understated way uh, get us to work, uh, it, you know, just swimmingly. We just, we work well together. Hey, Ray, I had good, uh, good training. I, I worked in the judiciary with judges and the U.S. Senate with senators. So I, I was prepared for eight personnel. And probably, and probably so the cops are easy to <laughs> well, cops aren't easy, right? And you know that. Uh, but I think one of the things yep. Mitch does too is, you know, his varied background allows for that as well, right? So he's always thinking about things from a different perspective than we are. So that's nice as well, right? So if we're sitting in a meeting and we're talking about something and we get stuck on an issue because we're all thinking the same way, you know, Mitch can sit back and go, hey, did you ever think about it this way? And, and you know, maybe the community is this is the reason why they're, why they're expressing their opinions in a certain way. And it kind of puts us back in our seat a minute, right? So that we can think about it and, and, and look at opposite opinions. And, and I think that, that his, his ability to have that varied background really works well with us. So, and let, me, uh, let, me, let me ask you this, because we we've been speaking around it only because um, we're familiar with it. And maybe we're not giving it enough detail. But what are those training opportunities, those executive leadership programs that make you guys so different in, in New Jersey? Um, we're aware of them. As George said, we, we get uh, the newsletter, we get constant emails about what's going on. But for our listeners that are not familiar with it, what are they? We have um, what I like to think of as the premier portfolio uh, professional development in the policing world here, you know, in the United States. We start at that frontline level. We have a frontline supervisory course, a mid-level supervisory course, and they are basically the foundation blocks for those on that career path. What And, and you know, we're not the only people who do that. I think we do it well. Other people do it well uh, also. What I think distinguishes us is that upper-level professional development, that continual professional development piece that we have put together. Uh, John hit on a really good point there about other voices and other perspectives. So if you sit in the same rooms, talking to the same people about the same things in the same way, you're going to end the same that you, you started with. So we look beyond that. So we, as I mentioned, we partner with um, the Ontario Association of Chiefs of Police We've done a joint police chiefs forum with them. We just finished an evidence-based policing conference with them, and we have some more things in the pipeline uh, with our colleagues in Ontario. George mentioned our West Point Command Leadership Program. It's, we think, you know, along with uh, Northwest Staffing Command and the National FBI National Academy, the premier professional development program for police leaders in the country. We have a series of uh, week-long seminars that roll throughout the year. Uh, our Executive Institute, our Contemporary Issues class, which is all based on risk management, and our Foundation for Senior Leaders class, I, I'm sorry, Foundation for Executive Leadership class, which is basically that program of leadership of the self, leadership of others, and look and developing your organization um, those three comprise the kind of a curriculum throughout the year that are a stepping stone to certificate programs with several universities that we've partnered with. And we have our internationally based programs. So I mentioned the one that we partner with the 
London Metropolitan Police and the City of London Police, our Advanced Policing Practices Program. We do another um, concept we've kind of borrowed and modified from the military. We do our own version of what they call a staff ride, where you take a group of leaders, you take a group of individuals who have command and managerial positions to places of historic value and use the actual terrain as your living classroom, right? That, that, that's a century old concept that the military uses. We've adopted it. We do it here in New Jersey. Uh, you know, the, we're the crossroads of the revolution. We go to Monmouth Courthouse. We go to um, Trenton and Princeton, other areas, Fort Lee. We go to areas of historical, historical significance and do that kind of work there. We also go farther afield. We use Gettysburg, um, which is probably the most iconic uh, few acres of land in the United States regarding our military and our civic history. We go to other battlefields like that. And then every year we do a special one overseas. This year we'll be going back to Normandy to investigate the circumstances around D-Day, leadership from the macro level all the way down to the micro unit leadership level. And uh, on off years, we go and we do the same thing with the Battle of the Bulge. So we, we, we take people out of their routine, out of their comfort level, and provide the top level of academic and practitioner learning and apply it to continuing professional development for, for police. And I think it's what we're best known for around the country. So uh, I want to just give a quick shout out. On episode five, we had someone that is near and dear to you guys, particularly as it relates to staff rides. We had Pat Schuber on, and as best he could, which you know is phenomenal, he took us through a staff ride um, on the podcast. Actually, we had him on both of our podcasts, one from the leadership and, and the true crime. And it was the true crime one, our In the Chill of the Night, where he actually uh, took us through sort of the spy network of George Washington. And it was pretty neat. Uh, and I've oh, been amazing. on I've been on the leadership staff rides and he did a marvelous job on the podcast as well. So he, he uh, is a national he, treasure. He is a national treasure. People uh, we know him best here in New Jersey, but there's no one like Pat. He is an educator, a, a passionate historian, um, a real civic minded guy. And there's just nobody who brings these things to life and imparts those lessons like, like, like Pat. And the nice thing about what Pat does is he'll put the historical context, but then he puts it in the context of how it's relatable to law enforcement, right? How is law, it's relatable to leadership in law enforcement. Uh, and he tells it in such a way that it's engaging, it's entertaining, but it is really so informative as well. Yeah, be, being able to, to draw those lessons uh is is uh, is just valuable but it's also fun it, and and he's the kind of uh person you go on a staff ride with and, and i've done it once with him uh, around fort lee that area and it was just amazing you know and i was learning stuff and and i thought i knew a lot but uh absolutely amazing he is he is engaging he's entertaining he, he's very human very compassionate and passionate about this and he, but he's also has that you know he has that incredible life experience high level politics having been involved at the local level he he knows his stuff from firsthand so he'll, he'll take that george washington story and make it re relevant right to your life and it, it's an amazing skill i wish i had that pat has uh, I'm trying to figure out how I can get back to New Jersey and uh, and like uh, you know audit one of these just uh, just for that just for that sake. But because uh, it's because it's amazing to be able to take those lessons as as I teach leadership now. Um, there's so much that we can learn because everybody at some point has been through the exact same things we're we're going through now. We we just haven't drill down and and learn those lessons so uh the the ability to do that especially new jersey where it's so uh rich in history uh you can 
you can throw a rock and hit something uh, of historical significance. Yeah, human nature doesn't change, right, George? Right? Human beings are the same. Human circumstances, you know, technology changes, but the challenges of technology do not change. Uh, right? An old uh, uh, a friend of mine who uh, spent years in law enforcement told me, you know, there's a pretty important book out there that a lot of people believe in. And according to that book, there were four people on the planet and we wound up with a 25% murder rate that was domestic related. So, you know, human, human, human nature hasn't changed. Right. And, and, and we're still in that, we're still in that environment today. Again, technology's better, but we're still, we're still fighting those same, those same fights. That same book said, "There's nothing new under the sun." So it, it is. <laughs> exactly it is right. true. So, since we're talking about challenges facing society, if not law enforcement, um, from from a, an executive perspective, executive, what what do you feel are those problems that they're, they're facing, and how can they best overcome them? You know, where I, uh, I think George hit it uh, nail on the head when he said that many of the problems are still the same problems that we've had before. I think, though, the big challenge that we have now as police executives is how quickly things are changing. The rate of change uh, on issues that we're dealing with is, is almost super speed, right? Uh, when George talked about technology, you talk about social media and the ability to communicate at, at a moment's notice. Uh, that I think has has impacted how we as leaders work more than anything else because there are challenges in being able to absorb that information, try to be able to make sense of that information, and then make a decision with that in almost you know a click of a moment. Um, it's challenging, and it's challenging particularly if you get that answer wrong to be able to have to double back and try to assess it at the same rate that you're trying to de-escalate whatever is going on. So I, I think many of the challenges we've seen before, I just think now it occurs so quickly in time. And, and how, do, how do we as uh, former executives or, or trainers, how do you, how do you teach that critical thinking uh, at those levels, because what's important to, you know, what's important to a sergeant is going to be different than what's important to a lieutenant or a captain who's running multiple sergeants. But then again, what's, what's important to the executives and the command staff as, as they try to work their way through all of that? And how do you teach that vision or that uh, discernment at all those levels of through training. That's got to be very difficult. Uh, difficult, but not insurmountable. Yep. Uh, I think I'd say difficult, but not insurmountable. I think I what I would revert back to is the list of programs that Mitch was just talking about, in particular, command and leadership. Um, one of the things I, I, I got out of that was uh, a speech by the general. Um, Norman Schwarzkopf, and he was addressing uh, the graduates of West Point, the cadets of West Point at one point. And this was after, after his service to our nation. And he said, there are two things that, that make a leader. Um, and they were competence and they were character. And if you boil it down, uh, that really, having those characteristics and being able to emulate those characteristics makes a leader or makes a police executive um, competent enough to be able to, to lead his, his or her people in making those decisions. And think about it, really, right? Competence. You, you have to have the ability to, you don't have to be smarter than everybody else, but you have to have general overall knowledge of what your patrol officer is doing, what your sergeants, your lieutenants, your captains, your deputy chiefs, and all, your, all those that work under you what their jobs, what the responsibilities are, and understand also how they may react to some of the policies that you impart, right? Think about character. If, if someone doesn't believe in you, doesn't trust in you, and you can't 
put that together where there's that collaborative effort, then you're not going to be a leader. And, and I think if, if Schwarzkopf was thinking even further, I think I would have added third C to that, and that's courage, right? Because I think particularly in today's society where we are in law enforcement, it's easy to kind of sit back and say, I'm going to wait till the noise calms down before I say something. But today's leader, today's police executive, has to have the courage to also raise his hand and say, hey, this is what I think. This is where we need to go. And I believe in this course of action. So you have to have that confidence, competence. You have to have that character. And then you have to have the courage. And I think if you have that package and you learn that package, right, this isn't something you're born with. You learn that package. You learn that package by working with your peers. You learn that by being, being mentored by your peers. And you learn that by being open to the opportunities that the State Chiefs Association provides you, where you can talk to people and your peers in, in Ireland and Scotland and London and Canada, wherever that may be, and learn from them. You know, I, I took a trip to Scotland with Mitch uh, about two years ago, and we learned about de-escalation and how they handled it and how they were doing it for so many years. And guess what? We're doing de-escalation training today for our law enforcement officers much the same as they were doing there. So sometimes we learn from our peers abroad or, or for wherever they may be. You have to be open. But I go back to that speech I heard from, from the general, and I believe in my mind that encapsulates how to be a leader and have, how to move your men and women forward in, in our society today. Wow. Well said. Wow. Well said. You know, I, I'm no expert on leadership. I'm certainly not an expert in law enforcement, but I like to surround myself with people who are. And that's that's kind of what I think our real strength is. We have folks like like John. We have a, a really core group of very highly skilled, highly committed, highly talented police professionals. And they are able to impart those things to the men and women who are on the way up to those, those ranks. John mentioned, you know, those three C's and that we didn't rehearse this, but I, you know, that character competency and moral courage are kind of like the bywords that I, I also live by. I, I always think of it as we, and by we, I'm talking about those in positions like John and like you used to have, have Ray and George who are in leadership positions, have to be able to take option three. Most people are able to do option one, go along with the crowd. Whatever, whatever the current uh, zeitgeist is, you just go along with it. You, you just say, me too. Option two is you can simply just keep your head down, not say anything. Okay, you might not agree with the, the crowd's current favor opinion, but if you just keep your head down, it'll pass and nobody will notice you. Folks like you guys who are in those leadership positions do not have that option, not if you're going to be successful and impactful. You have to do option three. You have to stand up and say what you believe, make the right decision for the right reason, even if it's not popular, even if it's going to get you noticed in a way you're not comfortable with. If you're going to be that man, that woman to be an actual leader, option three is your only option. I think that's what is the, at the basis of whether we're talking to our new supervisors or our most senior chiefs. That's at the heart of basically all of this kind of continual professional development that we uh, we offer. No, that that uh, dedication or commitment to, to lifelong learning, and and I would even uh, I would take courage and I'd break it down into you know the physical courage of just showing up, right? You you gotta be there. Leadership is an action, so you need to be there. Uh, so that's the the physical courage aspect of it. Uh, the the moral courage aspect, Mitch, that you talked about that that ability to do the right thing even in the, even in the face of uh, uh, criticism or when that thing is popular, and then for the senior leader uh, to maintain intellectual courage to to question or be open to looking at a new way of doing things or a new way of looking at something when you think you already may know the answer. So that that triumvirate of of Courage as a not just hey let's move to the sound of the guns, but that that sense of really examining 
what we're doing, why we're doing it, uh, and is it the right way to do it, I, I think is is crucial. But you only get that by a, a being a lifelong learner, not not thinking at some point, hey, I've I've made it to the C suite. I now have the all the stars, and so I, I know what I'm doing. I don't need any other help. I think you put you put it better than I did, George. That is exactly our philosophy. That is to me, right? As long as I'm here, that is what is underlying everything we do. I I, I love that tripartite uh, division of courage that you gave. That is what we're about. So, I I this this last discussion uh, here is I think served as a great backdrop to this this question that I want to throw out there is I think we can all agree that leadership comes in all different shapes and sizes, right? Sort of one of those things that you, you kind of know it when you see it or hear it. But what what makes a great executive leader in today's environment in the in the law enforcement arena? I have to take a minute to think about that. And that's that's not an easy that's that's a tough question. Um, I don't think anybody in the moment you, you, you're thinking well, what what steps do I have to take? I think there are times where, as George said, the preparation is already there, right? Uh, it, it's a buildup of taking the opportunity to to learn. It, it's an opportunity to look inward to see if you are making the right decisions and to be able to admit that sometimes you're not perfect and that you have to reassess. It's an opportunity to be able to say, I need help and I'm looking for ways to answer a question. And that may be working at the lowest level to the highest level to get answers. Um, you know, I, I read a book recently and I'm sure you're all familiar, Team of Teams by uh, General McChrystal. And they talk about how the, the monolith of the military, right? It, it very, you know, top to bottom, uh, information flows down, but it doesn't flow up, right? And it's, 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 not, it's not long in structure, it's tall in structure, but they took a good look at themselves and said, we have to make a better military. We have, and in order to make that success, there has to be that buy-in from the bottom down. And in order to get that buy-in from the bottom down, we have to listen. Right, so that communication has to flow in both ways, and I think that the successful police executive, the successful executive at on every any profession, has to employ that type of format. And in order to collaborate, you have to be able to listen. So you have to have that communication flow up and down, and allow those ideas to flow, and allow those ideas to be adopted. Um, they, they talk, they talked a lot about something called a ethos, right? And that, that organizations, like we have a mission statement for our police department, and we also have an ethics statement for, from our police department, but those statements are kind of static. They were created at a time where some of us weren't even in the police department at the time, but the ethos is a little bit different. The ethos is created by those within the organization to show and to be able to prove to themselves what they're about. And, and I think in today's society where our police officers are somewhat doubting their efficacy in what they do because of a lot of the noise that's out there, the ability to sit back and talk about your own ethos, why you're important, what is your service and how is that important to your community? I think that is important. And that police executive or that other that executive from whatever profession who who understands that will get that buy-in and can lead in a society that is so fast changing as we as we're ex experiencing right now. Chief, would would you say um, that you know where character is uh, is who you are as an individual? The ethos or then the culture of your organization is basically the character of the organization would would you say that yes i would definitely say that and but it's not simply my individual character 
but it's the, the character of the entire organization created by the entire organization, right? That's that, the, the, the key to that ethos. And I think the key to being able to pivot like we do in, in policing is that buy-in from your officers, whether it's the, the least senior officer right up to me as chief, is, the, uh, is that collaboration of who we are. And that's what the ethos is. Yeah, that that uh, that knowledge of why, you know, yes. what what am I here for? What am I doing? What what do I, as a member of this uh, law enforcement agency, what do I stand for um, in, in that thing? That's uh, super, super stuff. Love that. I want you guys to sort of in your mind's eye, think about it if you were king king for a day both these and and i say that because everything that we've talked about not everybody takes advantage of we have uh, budding leaders we we talked about the triple a personalities that are out there in law enforcement and not everybody takes uh, advantage of what you guys may be offering so if you were king for the day and budget was not not even an issue you had all the money in the world to spend what would you do to ensure that leadership, character, uh, the ability to communicate and collaborate, what would you guys put in place to ensure that each of these executive leaders had these skills and attributes that we're describing today? Okay, so unlimited budget, Emperor of the uh, of the world, I get to do what I want. <laughs> Number one is it would be the most highly paid profession in the country. You want to be able to attract all the best and brightest from every community to the profession, right? So you'd have, they would be as highly paid as people who play games for a living or who sing songs. So that would be number one. We would pay them whatever it took to attract the attention of all the talent in the country. Two, they would have, we would have as many as we needed to fill, you know, the, the roles while everyone, all these people were continually developing themselves. So we'd have to be able to have all the personnel we needed to fill these roles because they would be spending a lot of time on personal professional development. Um, so that, that would be two of the kind of uh, the IT portions of it, right? The tech stuff. Get paid a lot. We have as many personnel as we need. And then we would spend quite a bit of time weeding out those for whom this is just not the right, right profession. They may, they may be high character people. They may be physically brave and morally brave and intellectually curious, but they might just not be right. So you weed them out. So now you have your core of your police leader. We would, to me, first thing we would do is to get them to not have limits on themselves, right? You know, the old expression, a man's got to know his limits, right? We all have to understand our capabilities. But too often, I think, is viewing it from the outside, people in the profession allow others to place limits on them. You're only in a small town. You're only in a small department. You're only here. Why do you need this? Why do we need that? Take those limits away. Right? Whatever jurisdiction you're in, whatever department you're in, whatever community you serve, large, small, anywhere in between, rural, urban, suburban, there's no reason to limit the development and the aspiration. You're just as important, and the people you serve are just as important. And then I would bring in the best, the, the, you know, I'll throw some names, the Gordon Grahams of the world, the, the best teachers, educators, professionals, bring them in and have them be able to have our folks in class, in the field, um, in the classroom, in their agency, developing them treating them like stockbrokers get, treating them like the highest paid, highest performing professionals around the country, like doctors. Uh, 
to become a doctor. And my wife's a dentist. After she graduated from dental school, she did a residency. Um, even though she wasn't going to be working in a hospital, she had this experience that developed her as a professional. We should be doing the same thing. So people from Sayreville, New Jersey should spend a residency, should do a, a time in London or in L.A. And likewise, somebody from the Detroit Police Department would greatly benefit from the type of policing they do in Sayreville. I'd, I'd have these exchanges. I would treat our profession the way the most important, the most, I hate to say it, but the most pampered, the most invested in professions are treated. And then I think the great potential of all these civic-minded, selfless people in policing would be realized. That would be kind of my king for the day. Oh, wow. one more thing. One more thing. I would give everyone who enters the profession a few books, right? They would all be required to read. It's it's a classic, but Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. Oh, great book. Great book. Fantastic. Right? Good job. Everyone, yeah. everyone would be. And there's another book. It's not quite a, on that level that really I found impactful and I think um, speaks to me. And it's a book by a, a historian, Edgar Perrier. Um, I think he was at Princeton for a long time. Um, the late Edgar Perrier is a military historian, written several books, but the one that really I, I always gravitate to. And I give this out to a lot of the graduates of our command leadership program. It, it was called American Generalship. Character is everything. And it is a, uh, it, it does case studies, which I love, kind of the, the Pat Schuber version of teaching. And it, John talked about it before, how your character informs um, your leadership. And he, he, he goes through some of uh, American uh, military's great leaders, but doesn't spend the time to talk about their great tactics or their strategic vision, but how their character led them to success. So I would give everyone uh, heading into any kind of um, leadership position those two books. The, the subtitle wow. of that um, book, the, the, that's one of my favorite books. Uh, the, the subtitle uh, uh, Character is everything. The art of command. command is correct. Just, it's a tremendous book. Uh, that that's a great book. And Victor Frankel and uh, Edgar Furrier. That that's awesome. Very good. So, John, I'm going to throw it over to you to sort of add to this list. And thank God uh, we don't have to worry about a budget. Uh, but uh, we also want to circle back on a reading list because I know this is something that uh, George is constantly tinkering with a leader uh, a reading list so we want to get your thoughts on some additional books as well but john if i could turn to you what would you add to what mitch has described in terms of king for a day and uh budget is not an issue the developing executive leaders uh first i think mitch really hit it his, hit it right on the head when he talked about mentorship uh but that starts at a very low level with standardization, first of all. Mitch and I talk about what New Jersey is missing as opposed to a number of our, well, actually the majority of states, and that is licensing. And the reason why we think it's important is because it standardizes our profession, right? So we start off with, this is our expectation of that recruit and what that police officer is going to be. Right? And, and I think those standards have to be high. And, and to create high standards also gains that trust that we need from the community. I think the second thing is what we offer as an association, and that is being able to certify or accredit your agency, making sure that your agency takes care of itself and has best standards. If you have best standards, then you're building police, officer, police officers from the recruit level who have reached that standard all the way up to the chief level, understanding what those best practices are. The opportunity to be to have a mentor, and I understand this from my perspective, is I know when I, first of all, listen, it's an improbable journey to become a police chief, right, or a police executive. Everybody who goes into this profession goes into this profession because they want to be a police officer, right? But not many of us go, well, this their first day saying, well, I want to be police chief. That, that, that really rarely happens. But by determination, hard work, 
and some luck, you get there. But being able to be a good police chief or a good sergeant or a good lieutenant, you have to have mentors that take you through those processes. Uh, this is one of the reasons why I wanted to get on the executive board of the State Chiefs Association and ultimately become the president of the associations to give back. When, when I first became chief of police, they didn't even give me the keys to my office. I had asked for the keys to my office that first day I started, right? And it's funny to say that, but when I open the office and the lights are off and I finally sit at the desk and I say, okay, now what? And, and, and I was someone who prepared, right? I, I worked hard going, moving up those, up those levels thinking that I was ready to go. And then when the first call comes in about a complaint, you say, oh boy, what do I do? And the ability to be able to reach out to my peers who were my mentors, who gave me a lot of great advice, told me where to look for information, allowed me to get my, you know, my boots strapped up and ready to go. That, that, that was a tremendous learning opportunity for me. And I believe that anyone that's moving up the ranks particularly in a police chief role or whatever the police executive role is, you should serve an opportunity where you have a mentor who stays for a particular period of time with you and they walk you through those steps so that you understand the level of your job, you understand the responsibility of your job, and you know what? Also, to be able to take some of the anxiety away from the day-to-day -day operations and the questions and the issues that you deal with. Because you also have to have that wellness uh, to be able to sustain this job, which is really a 24-hour a day, you know, 365 day a year, 24 hours, 365 job, right? Because it is the most unusual job that, and most people don't understand it. So not necessarily a budget issue, although I agree with Mitch. Uh, I think that in order to retain good officers, you have to pay good, you have to pay uh, a good wage for them. And a lot of our uh, departments struggle because they're unable to do that. And you see an awful lot of movement from department to department. And those that are training officers then lose them. So I think paying them very well is very important. And then finally, incentivizing education. Uh, when I first came on, that was in most contracts. And over the, over the years, it was minimized to a degree. And unfortunately, uh, a lot of that was taken away, and we don't incentivize the opportunity for our officers to continue to educate themselves, because I think the opportunity there is is immense, right? The ability, again, to be open to different ideas um, is, is very important. You know, um, I, I want to thank the both of you. I was going to ask you a question about reimagining policing, because you, you hear that uh, hackneyed expression. But I think what the two of you just described is reimagining policing by just opening up budgets and and being much more innovative and creative. So thank you for that. Can yeah. I just make one? Can I just make one yes. comment about that? Absolutely. Uh, we we don't like reimagining um, because uh, to me that, or at least I don't. It, in, in my in my perspective, when someone says you're reimagining, it's because there's a negative to your profession. Right. Uh, I love this profession. Uh, uh, you know, it chose me. I didn't choose it, but uh, I am an advocate for, particularly in New Jersey, for what we do. New Jersey is one of the most progressive states when it comes to policing. If you want to say that, rather than re-imaging, we're advancing. I, I think that's the proper terminology because, as Mitch noted, about 110 years ago to where we are today, that is the goal of our association, but it's truly the goal of all policing in New Jersey is that is advancing, not re-imaging, advancing to meet the needs and service of our community. I'm completely with you, John. You know, I know the name of the, the podcast is The RF Factor, right? Relentless Follow-Up. Uh, we always talk about continuous improvement, continuous mm. improvement. That's what, there's certainly room for improvement, no matter how good you are in anything, personally, professionally, organizationally. That's what I, I, I wouldn't reimagine policing. I would continue along with that relentless, continuous, continuous development, continuous improvement. That, that's what we should be doing. That's what we do here in New Jersey, I believe. And that's, that should be the goal throughout the country, continuous, relentlessly improving policing, re reimagining or, or whatever you want to call it. I, I'm with John. It just has, 
it, it, it starts off the whole conversation from a negative, as if you need to blow it up and start it again. And I think that's nowhere near the truth. Well said. I was, I was listening to, uh, to both of your answers to that, that question. And what jumped into my mind uh, was uh, the description, especially, Mitch, when you were talking about the training uh, and taking care of the needs of, of uh, the, these law enforcement officers so that they're as highly paid as, as entertainers or, or athletes, uh, what sprang to my mind immediately was uh, Plato describing the role of the guardian in uh, his book, Republic, and that, that dedicated professional to, to the, uh, you know, in, in their mind, the, the Republic, but dedicated profession a it, it's not just hey you're going to school for six months and we'll see you when you when you go to sergeant school or uh you know we'll see you at lieutenant school and in chief school it's that constant uh development uh throughout a career of service to to the profession and to their community uh, so i that that struck out at me and i don't know if you you meant that or not but that's what sprang to my mind immediately was the role of the guardian yeah, our, uh, you know, our friends in the UK, I've got a lot of colleagues and friends in the UK, they use the term CPD, Continuous Professional Development. It is a lifelong, career-long pursuit. Um, our job is to facilitate that, and folks like John Zabrowski exemplify that. You know, he, he's very humble. He doesn't talk about his own educational achievements and his own professional continuing development and his own role as a mentor. He talked about the 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 role of the mentor and how important that is and that's a, that's a role he he plays far and wide in our state that's everything we're about continuous professional development so as a follow-on to that uh i would never say give me your your the book but uh mitch john give your top five leadership books that you would give to the up-and-coming developing leader well i gave you two of them already yeah so, uh, sure um i'll go to another standby good to great i think is a uh, is is on my shelf and it's all it's one of the ones that i i like to give to people uh another one to me being the history geek that i am and how i think that lessons can be learned is a biography and it's uh, Gene Edward Smith's biography of U.S. Grant. It's just called Grant. And it's a, it's a pretty thick one. It's kind of back there on my shelf up there somewhere. Um, I, I am, you know, I've been kind of obsessed with that guy since I'm a, I'm a, literally since I'm a child. And I've read a countless number of bios of him. Uh, that's probably the best one. The main thing, reason I, I would recommend that is because his life is about overcoming obstacles and ultimately achieving and confronting his, his last illness and character is the king. I mean, his, his entire story is about triumph over adversity is actually the name of another grant bio, but that's, that's him. Um, and and I, I go back to that book quite often because there's always something new in there that I can pick out as I'm putting together kind of lesson plans for some of the things that I teach or, uh, or in my own life when I, I, I kind of, my son is my project. So I've, I've kind of, he's, <laughs> he's my own personal <laughs> development project. So yeah. he's probably sick of some of this, but, uh, I pick out some things for him. It's worked out so far pretty good. So I, I will, I will say that. And the fifth one, that's a good, that, that's a, that's probably a rotating, um, those are the four standbys that probably rotates on, on new books. I think John's talk about General McChrystal's uh, book. That's probably one I'll, I'll probably add to that list for the time being. Uh, Colin Powell's book is one that has been up there on, on that list for a while. So that's probably a rotating list as, as new recommendations come in to me. Excellent. John. Well, listen, first of all, uh, I think Mitch took most of the books that I was going to suggest. But I, I think what's important about the learning process and, and reading is that you have, to, you have to do it all the time. So I get, the point I'm trying to make is 
from from my perspective, every day I start I start my day with two newspapers, and then uh, a bunch of different internet, uh, either blogs or information networks that I receive uh, discussion related to something that's going on the local level, to the national level, or maybe a geopolitical issue, and and how I think it's going to be impacting my day or my days coming forward. And I do it also from the perspective of reading them from those that are like-minded to what, who, to what I think and those that are not. I think a police executive or any professional who needs to be agile uh, in their decision-making uh, needs to spend time each day gaining and reading as much information as possible um, to be able to make those decisions. So um, I agree with every one of, of uh, Mitch's books, but I think you also need to spend time gaining learning from what you read on a daily basis as well. Um, it really makes a difference when you're already ahead of the curve, when you get a call or you get an inquiry or you get a complaint and you're a step ahead because you understand and you can understand the complexities of what you may be uh, addressing at any moment. Wow, excellent. Good stuff. So, George, gentlemen. Like see your list, George. So, when you get a chance, send me your list. Uh. <laughs> okay, will do. Uh, gentlemen, we're, we just came up on an, on an hour. So, I, I, I want to conclude this, but what I want to conclude it is just. Uh, sort of uh, your final thoughts. And what I mean by that is for aspiring police executives, regardless of the, the position they may be in today, what should they be doing to prepare for that day? I know we touched on a lot tonight, but just to sum it up, what should aspiring leaders be doing today for that position that they aspire for in the future? Well, I'll take that real quick. Uh, be open. More often than not, when you get to the position of chief of police, you say to yourself, hey, I've climbed the mountain and I'm good. But, but that's, you've only hit a peak. You've not hit that top of that mountain yet. You have to continue to grind it out, right? You, you have to continue to figure out how do I deal with the different generations within the ranks that I have? How do I deal with the complexities of issues that are going on within my communities? How do I deal with sometimes the political situations that I'm confronted with within our own municipalities, both on a local, national, and or state and national level? Be open. Be open to learning and gaining new perspectives. Go to Scotland. Go to London. Go to France. Uh, go to IACP. Talk to your peers. Go to our monthly meetings. Gain that knowledge because it's good when you bring it back and you're open to it. You're going to be that much better. And again, I go back to the ethos discussion, and that is understand what your, what your rank and file is thinking as well. We get to that door. That door has to be opened. It can't be closed. Right? You, the, the idea of sharing information stop, starts at the bottom and works its way up. So if it's any advice I can give to that new leader or that leader in wait is be open. For me, it, I, mean, I, I agree, obviously, with all what John said. For me, my advice to them, whether they are on the first rung of that leadership ladder or they are actually, you know, as John called it, the peak at the top there, the head of their agency, continue to invest in yourself. Continue to develop. Never be satisfied. You can always grow. Your personal development will pay dividends, not just to you and your family, but to your agency, your colleagues, the people who work for you and work with you, the community you serve, developing yourself, your personal development is an investment, not just in you, but in everyone that you touch. Don't stop developing yourself. Gentlemen. Wow. Great. George, any final thoughts on this? No, just, uh, it's almost enough to make me want to move back. Uh, <laughs> Come on back. Come on back. Come on back. 
Well, gentlemen, uh, thank you. Um, so we said early on about what you guys are offering. The folks that are in law enforcement today that want to subscribe to what you guys are providing as it relates to newsletters, your podcast, what's the best way they can go about doing that? Well, you can go right to our organizational website, which I'll, I'll give you a very simple URL in a second. But you, you raise a really good point there, right? We just got back from our, our advanced professional practices program in London. We had with us police executives from Tennessee, California, Oklahoma, and Ontario, as well as New Jersey. We obviously exist to serve the, the profession in our state, but as much as we have gained from our exposure to others, we give that back. And so wherever you are, you're listening to this, if these things sound of interest to you, you are welcome to join us. In fact, having those diverse voices and diverse in, in all the ways you can think of that term just enhances the experience. You can find all the information about our program services, subscribe to the magazine, the podcast, whatever you'd like. It's our website, N-J-S-A. COP.org, N-J-S-A-C-O-P.org, and you can find whatever you need right there. Gentlemen, thank you. Thanks for coming on. The RF Factor. Greatly appreciate it. Will you be joining us on the podcast soon, our own podcast, the Chief Uh, Talk? If uh, all I need is an invite. uh, (laughs) Well, consider it the invitation. (laughs) I'll be in charge. We'll make it happen. George, you're going to talk about Plato on their podcast as well? <laughs> He's a philosopher king, right? He's a philosopher king. Oh, oh he is. Yes. Uh, I, I'd go more with court jester, but all right. I'll <laughs> Gentlemen, thank you for a great evening, and we will speak soon. Thank you, Ray. Thanks.